Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, Living Water. Good morning. Um, Welcome this morning. If you're joining us in person, we are so glad that you're here. If you're joining us online, please tell us where you're joining from in the comments or in the chat. We would love to know. I am Amanda Torres. I'm the Children's Ministry Director here at Living Water, and I just want to welcome you to the last message in a series we've entitled Reboot Your PC or Reboot Your Personal Commitment. So I want to first recap on where we started off the year. On the first Sunday of the year, the new, the new Year's message was um, preached by Pastor Sean about factory resetting our thanksgiving and our appreciation to God and resetting our hope in the Lord. On the second week, he continued with our super techie terms and he talked about the VPN or the virtual private network, which he referred to as our biblical or community, uh, church community that we need to stay plugged into. On week three, Pastor Rick spoke about cybersecurity and making sure that our focus is on God, the Father, who we can trust fully no matter how we feel or what our situation may look like. And last week, Pastor Rick spoke about being a server and making sure that we're not too busy to serve God or to serve others. Well, that brings us to today, and the title of our message is Reboot Your PC, Microsoft 365, Living Your Year in Full Measure. This past year, 2020, was one for the books, right? It was, it was a tough year. It's been crazy. How many of you guys can agree with that? For one, uh, there's been like a widespread fear of, uh, spirit of fear that's kind of come across the nation, come across the world, and, and people are really dealing with like fear of the coronavirus, fear of sickness, fear of death, not being able to provide for their families, homeschooling, right, parents, e-learning, politics, I mean, the list just goes on and on with everything that we've had to go through this year. But we aren't here to talk today and hash out the happenings of last year. We're here today to talk about the coming year, the next group of 365 days, the next 525,600 minutes of your life.
My question to you guys today is, are you living your year, your life, to the full as a Christian? We used to kind of be able to plan our year out, events, birthdays, anniversaries, vacation, you name it, but this last year has really brought us down to the basics of life, hasn't it? I mean, it's brought us back to what's important. But today we're going to be talking about some biblical basics. Now, some of you guys, you know, you, 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 you place your Starbucks or your Dunkin' Donuts order ahead of time on the app before you get to work and you pick it up. And some of you guys wake up early, you go to the gym. Some of you guys run your 5K races and God bless you because that's not me. But some of you guys run your marathons and you plan special time with your kids and you plan special time with your spouse. And, and don't get me wrong because that is all amazing. And I, and I hope and I pray that that continues or starts for some of you. But the real measure of a year isn't measured in cups of coffee, like the song says, in inches and miles. And guess what? It's not even measured in laughter with family and friends. The Bible says, Matthew 6:33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. A year and a life is really measured by seeking God above everything and striving to live righteously. And today we're going to be talking about a couple of ways to help us do that. If you have your outline, go ahead and take that out. You can follow us along on, on the Bible app. The first and easiest way to seek God and to live righteously is to, number one, get into the Word, a.k.a. read your Bible. Get into the Word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, Every scripture is God-breathed, given by His inspiration, and profitable for instruction for reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline in obedience, for training in righteousness and holy living, in conformity to God's will in thought, purpose, and action. What is this scripture saying? It's kind of a mouthful, right? But it's saying that God's word, the Bible, can give instruction, give correction, show disapproval, give discipline, show conviction of sin, and train us to be righteous. Yes, just reading the Bible can do all of that. Billy Graham once said, the very practice of reading the Bible will have a purifying effect on your heart and mind, and I believe that is true. So we've talked a little bit about what to do, right? Read your Bible. But let's talk about like, the, the practicality of doing that. Everyone says, right, read your Bible, read your Bible, but maybe some of you might not know where to start. Well, Pastor Rick always says, when you read your Bible, start in the New Testament. He recommends that, and and that you can start maybe in the book of John or one of the, the four Gospels. The book of John is one of the accounts of Jesus' life. Now, some other things that we have with reading the Bible, and don't, don't act like this isn't you, but for those of you who fall asleep when you read the Bible, don't raise your hand, um, you kind of have to be strategic when you do it, right? 
If you're tired, don't read your Bible in bed, okay? Step one, don't read your Bible at 11 o'clock at night when you've been up since 6 a.m. and you're exhausted. You might want to like maybe go to the table and read it, or better yet, pick a different time, right? Pick a different time to read. But for those of you who just maybe don't like to read, right, I recommend downloading the Bible app. This app has a feature that reads the Bible to you, and I like to play it maybe when I'm driving to or from work or on my way somewhere. And I love this app because the Bible reading feature, the narrator changes their voice and even has sound effects like birds chirping in the background and, and some other nature sounds. Yeah, it's awesome, just like what we have going on here at Living Water. I'm just seeing if you guys are paying attention with that one. Did anybody hear it? Just me? Okay. I highly recommend downloading it if you haven't done so already. And um, the great thing about this app is that it also has Bible reading plans, okay? There are plans about every single topic, you name it. There's, plan, there's plans about parenting, stress, addiction, joy, anxiety. I mean, and my husband told me to make sure I mentioned there's plans about money, too. I know that a lot of people are worried about that. There are hundreds of plans to choose from. So that's a great place to start. So if you haven't already downloaded it, go ahead and do it. Now, you can always tell when someone has been reading their Bible. And I'm going to show you how you can tell. Take a look at this. Oh, I was going to go to Macy's, but Dillard's is having a sale. Man plans his steps, but the Lord directs his path. Look at these purses. Excuse me, this is fashion now? Lean not on your own understanding. Oh, Spencer's gifts? Mm-mm, guard your heart. Finish line? Oh, yes, run the race I have set before you. 30% off all things work together for good. Oh, would you look at these here? Run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. Uh, no thank you. I don't need any skincare samples. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, there Starbucks, thank heaven, streams in the desert. Look at these watches for such a time as this. Look at all this baggage. No, thank you. I have left my burdens at the cross. Oh, I love this bedding. Yes, all who are weary, he will give you rest. Look at these knives. These are perfect. Iron sharpens iron. Oh, man does not live by bread alone. Hey, Adam, you want to take a bite of this? Mm-mm, man's original sin. Microsoft only for me, thank you. Oh, Lululemon, he will not tempt you beyond what you can handle. Oh, Zales, absolutely not. My treasure is in heaven. Payless is having a sale. Lead me not into temptation. Oh, judge all you want to. You without sin cast the first stone. Oh, love this hat. Look at this. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. I will dwell in the Nestle Toll House of the Lord forever. I come all the way in here for a sale and they don't have my size. Jesus, please, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Yes, yes. Listen, it's almost like my sister Brittany. If any of you knows her, and Brittany, I got your five bucks later, okay? If any of you know her, you know that you can say like almost any sentence or phrase, and she has a song for every single thing. Like you could be like, oh my gosh, how did you know? And she'll start singing and chanting, how do you know that you love her? And I'm like, Brittany, I just wanna know how you know. <laughs> but it's just like that. When you read the Bible, it's like with every situation, you have a scripture in your mind that is relevant to what you're going through. When something comes up in life, you already know how to respond and you don't have to guess. So I'm gonna give you just a couple of little examples here. Like for example, if you and your friends might say something like, oh, let's go out, we'll have a few drinks, and you know what, couldn't hurt to get a little tipsy, right? Well, Proverbs 21 says, wine is a marker and beer is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. 
Or you might be getting ready for a job interview or a test or something like that, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous, I'm freaked out by this. But then what comes to mind is 2 Timothy 1.7, and it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. I'm sure you get the idea here, but when the situation arises, you already know how to address it based on what the Bible says. And it makes those hard moments in life a little less difficult when you, when you know. Now, some of you need to get into the word, and when you do, your heart, your mind, and your outlook will change. And that brings us to our next point. Get ready to write this down. Adjust your perspective to change your outlook. Adjust your perspective to change your outlook. So, as many of you guys know, I am a special needs teacher um, in, in the school board, and, and um, one day we were, you know, just going about our business, and, and a situation uh, arose, and on the walkie-talkies at work, we carry a walkie-talkie, and, and somebody said, code Nike, code Nike, uh, Joe, and, they, and I'm just going to use Joe as a student's name, that's not their real name, but code Nike in our, in our school means we've got a runner, okay? Somebody has eloped. And, you know, there's two different types of elopers here. We have, our, we have our general ed elopers, which are the kids that are basically just trying to skip class, right? And we have a Target up the street. Some of them just try to go to Target. I'm like, really? Really? In the middle of the day? Anyway, so, uh, or, or we also have our, our special needs type situations where it's not somebody who's just trying to skip, but this student is having an emotional or behavioral um, crisis at the, at the moment. So, I know this student, and I knew that he was having an emotional crisis. So when they said code Nike, listen, I booked it. And I don't know, for those of you who know, Mike knows, I used to play on the softball team, but when I say book it, I mean, I, ras I ran as fast as I can, but it wasn't that fast, okay? <laughs> but I did try. And they said that he was at, um, he was in the basketball court, so I ran across the whole campus. I'm like dying now. I'm at the basketball courts, and he's not there. He's not there. And I'm like, I'm like, guys, he's not out here. They're like, oh no, he's out at the other side of the campus. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I run again, and um, again, not very fast. I felt like I was like lightning though. And, um, and I get out there and I see, I see this student. And I, and I approach him slowly and I'm like, what is wrong? Oh my gosh, are you okay? And, 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 and the first thing he does is he kicks me in the shin and he spat in my face. And I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, oh, heck no. <laughs> but I didn't say that. I was just like, okay. <laughs> okay, what is going on? And let me give you a little bit of background about this student. This student has an uncanny ability to know exactly when we're going to have a fire drill because he has a severe fear of anticipation and the actual sound of, of the fire alarm. So, I, I mean, I work for the school. I don't even know when they're about to have a fire drill. And, and he knows because he can deduce down to the day, like, oh, we have to have one every month, and this is the last day of the month, and this is the last chance, and oh, the school always does it around this time, so we're about to have a fire drill, and I am running for it. So when I figured that out, that that was really what was going on, I immediately got on my, my radio, and I said, hey, you know, to my boss, I'm like, listen, I need to know, excuse me, I need to know if we're having a fire drill today or not. Because if we're not, I can bring this kid in and it's not a big deal. If we are, we need to do the fire drill right now while we're outside so we can get this over with. And my boss was like, okay, you know, yeah, we are about to have a fire drill. This kid is a genius, right? And, and, and why don't you bring Joe up here so that he can help us with the drill? 
And I'm like, okay, uh, Joe, do you want to go up to the front? And he's like, uh, he was kind of skeptical, but he did come. So we go up to the front of the school, and we, we, you know, we're explaining to him that we do the fire drills because we need to practice, it's for our safety in the long run, all that stuff, you know, all the things you say to kids about fire drills. And he did not care, but we went up to the front, and, and, and we're like, okay, the button's right here, you know, the principal's there, I'm staying there, I'm making sure I'm like holding onto his backpack like, you're not gonna run again because I don't have any more energy. And um, I'm like, okay, we're ready. And the principal says, okay, you're gonna push this button. Three, two, one, and he pushes it. And you can see the fear on his face just disappears. He throws his hands in the air and he says, I am God. <laughs> and then we had to leave, we had to you know, evacuate the building. But I, I wanna know, guys, what happened, right? What happened with that situation? What changed? Is this student really God? No, of course he's not God. But what happened was Joe's perspective changed. He felt like he was in control. Instead of letting the fire alarm happen to him, he knew exactly when it was going to happen by pressing the button. Sometimes in life we have situations that happen to us. Some things are, are horrible, some things are hard, and some things we just flat out do not want to deal with, right? And though we necessarily can't control those things, guess what? We know the one who does control those things. We know the one who can. And even those, those things take us by surprise. Nothing takes God by surprise. God is not surprised. He wasn't surprised when you got in that car accident. God wasn't surprised when your child got sick. God wasn't surprised when you got COVID. God wasn't surprised when you went through the divorce. God was not surprised. You might have been surprised, but God was not. Now, God doesn't want us to suffer, but the fact is that we live in a fallen world and, and there are things that we have to deal with, trials. Matthew 5, uh, 45 says, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And for Joe, the fire drill was a situation that he hated. We do them for his safety, but, you know, he didn't like it, but we, we still do them for the safety of our students in the long run. There are situations that happen in our lives that the devil meant to harm us, that we freak out about, that, you know, it's like th those situations that the devil brought, but then God turns it around and uses those situations to benefit us in the long run. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So I want to take a little shift, and I want to talk about the Israelites. Looking back in Exodus, when the Israelites were freed from Egypt, and they were between the Egyptians and the Red Sea, right? You guys know this story. They had just been let go by Pharaoh, and, um, and they were leaving Egypt, and just so happens that the Pharaoh changed his mind while they were already on their way out, and then Pharaoh decided to pursue them. So this is where we pick up right here in Exodus 14.10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. Okay, so they're marching towards their promise, right? They're marching towards their deliverance. They're marching towards freedom. And then they look back, and they see their problem. I'm going to read it again. As Pharaoh approached, they looked up, they saw them, and then they were terrified. So they took their focus off of their deliverance. They put it back on their problem, and then fear grew inside of them. 
Do you see where I'm going with this, guys? When we put our focus on our problems rather than the promises, fear comes. But let me tell you what happens next. Moses brought their focus back to God. In Exodus 14, 13, Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. All they had to do was shift their focus, be still, and let God handle it. Let God handle it. After that, God parted the Red Sea, the Israelites crossed safely, and all the Egyptians died. Listen, church, God wants us to change our perspective to focus on him so that we can get the breakthrough. I have a question for you. What is God asking you to look away from in order to focus on him? I want you guys to take a second, just a second, and think, what might be going on in your life that God wants you to shift your focus to him? Lord, this year we're asking that you change our outlook, you change our perspective, and you give us the ability to focus on you, be still, and let you fight for us, God, in Jesus' name. So if point one was get into your word, a.k.a. read your Bible, point two was adjust your perspective to change your outlook. All right, I'm testing you guys right now. I can hear you. And that brings us to point number three, which is try to be excellent (laughs) in everything you do. Try to be excellent. Yes, I know, corny, but you'll remember it. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. What does that mean? That means that we should act, say, and do things as if we're doing them for God and not for people. So let me give you a little example here, a story in my life, the never-ending story that I like to call laundry. I, for one, believe that laundry is the absolute worst chore, and it, it just is. I mean, in my humble opinion, it just is. Worse than dishes, yes. And I hated doing laundry, and then one day, um, you know, I'm so irked by the fact that I have to do laundry. It takes me all day every Saturday. Like, to wash, dry, fold, sort, put away, hang up. I'm like, I mean, it's like I'm there for hours all day. And I hate it. And one day I'm like, God, I don't want to be irritated for the rest of my life doing laundry. So I decided that I was going to start praying for each family member as I fold and put away their laundry. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm praying for my husband, praying for my kids. And it really started to change my perspective a little bit on, on doing laundry. And it made it not as cumbersome, right? So I was able to get it done, not be irritated, and I was spending a little bit more time with God. So it was like a win-win-win, right? Well, a few weeks after I started this, this thing, praying while I was doing laundry, I came across one of those videos on YouTube, and it, like, it came up in my feed. And it was one of those, like, I don't know if you know, these time-lapse cleaning videos. I don't, have you ever seen those? Okay, first of all, I don't watch cleaning videos. I don't want to have to clean myself, so why would I be watching somebody else clean? I want to watch NCIS or Survivor. I don't, I don't want to be watching somebody else clean, so I don't know how it got in my feed, but it did. And I watched it. I don't know. I don't know why. But it was a, a mom telling her story about how she has 10 kids and how she does the laundry. 
And um, she would complain all the time. In this video, she was saying she complained all the time about doing laundry because it was just, it took her hours and hours and hours on end. And her husband heard her complaining one day. And he said, you know, listen, he worked for a company and what his job was actually to do was in this company, find inefficiencies, make things more efficient in order to save money. So when he heard her complaining about the laundry, he said, listen, hey, tell me how much time you spend do washing, drying, folding, each individual thing. So she calculated it one, one week and she found out that she spent five hours a week just sorting the laundry. Just sorting, not washing, drying, putting away nothing else. And um, so he targeted that first and he said, you know what, instead of you sorting all your laundry, we're gonna have our kids 10 baskets and each kid's gonna when they take their laundry off, they're gonna put it in their basket. And you're, when you wash the laundry, you're not gonna wash multiple baskets, you're just gonna wash that basket. And then you're gonna give it back to the kid to put away. Now you've eliminated five hours of time off your week to sort and the kids are putting away their own laundry. And when I saw this video, okay, like I'm, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about laundry, I just spend a lot of time hating it, right? So when I saw this video, it was like mind blown. I was like, oh my gosh, I called Eric. I'm like, Eric, I'm buying six baskets today. And I went, I got all the baskets. I, I had a little lesson with the kids. I'm like, when you take your clothes off, you don't leave it in the living room. You're going to put it in your basket with your name. And they're like, this basket? I'm like, this basket. That's your basket. Don't put it anywhere else. So we had our lesson. We did it. And the next week, I went to do laundry. Oh my gosh. It took me like 25% of the amount of time to do the laundry. I was like, wow. And, and you're, you're probably saying to yourself, Amanda, what does this have to do with excellence? And I'm about to tell you, okay? When my attitude started to change from, wow, I hate this, to I'm gonna pray while I do this, God inspired me with a new idea that streamlined my process and in turn actually allows me to spend more time with my family. It was almost immediate, within just a few weeks of me changing my, my, my perspective on this. And then God gave me the ability to be more efficient in that same thing that I hated doing. I mean, can you see how these things are tying together here? Let me break it down for you in scripture. Old Testament Joseph was a great example of this in the Bible. No matter what the situation, Joseph had done everything with a spirit of excellence. Do you remember the story of Joseph? Anybody? His brothers were jealous of him, um, so they sold him into slavery, right? And that's where we're going to pick up Genesis 39, 3 through 4. And it says, so he's a slave now. And it says, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar, the master's name, put him in charge of, put him in charge of his household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. So instead of Joseph saying, oh my gosh, this is horrible, my brothers hated me, I can't believe this, I, I, I shouldn't be here, I'm a slave now. No, everything he did, he was diligent at it, and then his master put him in charge of the house. Okay, so now we fast forward, and then we get to the part where Joseph is being accused by Potiphar's wife of um, trying to sleep with him, and we know that she was lying, and that either way, he was falsely imprisoned, now, he, now he's in prison, okay? for a lie. Now we pick up here, Genesis 39, 21 through 23, and it says, the Lord was with him in jail, and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all of those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that he, for all that was done there. 
The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in everything he did. Now, again, instead of saying, oh my gosh, I was a slave and now I'm in prison and I hate my life and this sucks and just sulking, Joseph was diligent, even as a prisoner, even as a slave, and then the warden put him in charge. He was promoted again. And because of his excellence in everything he did, even the horrible situations, like being sold into slavery and put in prison, he was promoted to the second highest in the land of Egypt. And so Joseph went from the pothole to the penthouse because everything he did was excellent. But I just want to get real with you guys for one second. Some of you here want to be promoted. But God can't trust you with the things he already gave you. You want a better job, however, you show up late to the one you already have, you complain all the time about your boss, you talk smack about your coworkers, and then you wonder why you still don't have a better job. You want to buy your own home, but your, the house you already have and you live in is trashed. You can't keep your room clean. Your dishes are piled up, and you're not a diligent saver. And then you wonder why God hasn't given you a bigger or better home. You want a new car, but you don't get your oil changed. You don't cha uh, change the tires. You, your car is basically being run into the ground, and then you wonder why God hasn't hooked you up with a better ride yet. You want an amazing relationship with your spouse, but you don't take time to spend with them. You don't talk to them, but when you do talk to them, you give them a little bit of an attitude because you're kind of still angry about what happened yesterday, and you wonder why your relationship isn't working. You don't take care of what God has already given you. And then you just want God to bless your mess. Don't get me wrong, because God can bless a mess, and I've been on the receiving end of that. And sometimes he will bless a mess. But that brings us to the Luke 16.10 principle, which is whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And that brings us full circle back to where we started with Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Another version says it like this, the message. Let every detail of your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master, Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. It says, let every detail be done in the name of Jesus. If what you're producing you wouldn't send to Jesus for review, then maybe you need to reevaluate what you're doing. I'm going to say that again. If what you're doing you wouldn't send to Jesus to say, look at this, then we need to reevaluate. What aspects of your life do you need to bring a spirit of excellence to? What is God telling you right now to step up your game in? Is it your marriage, your parenting, your ministry, your friendships, your school, your job? I want to take a second right now, and I want you to ask God what he wants you to be more excellent in. Lord, this year we pray for a spirit of excellence to come on us in every detail of our lives in Jesus name so this year we're gonna what one get into the word aka read your Bible adjust your perspective to change your and we're number three we're gonna try to be excellent in everything you do and that brings us to our final point which is understand and use prayer as a power point <laughs> understand and use prayer as a power point 
Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So this verse says, pray about everything. But the verse also comes with a promise. I don't know if you caught that. You know how like, sometimes you tell your kids, like, if you eat your vegetables, then you can have ice cream? Am I the only one bribing my kids like that? Um, or better yet, if you get up and go to your job today, then you can get your paycheck next week? This verse is an if-then from God. If you pray about everything, then you will experience God's peace. If you pray about everything, then you will experience God's peace. Now, I want to share a video with you. Take a look at this. Dad, I don't even know how to fish. Oh, now, come on. That never stopped me. Let me show you a little family secret handed down through about 12 or 13 goop generations. The perfect cast. The perfect what? The perfect cast. My dad taught it to me when I was about your age. Okay, now, watch carefully. You gotta be ludicrous, relaxed, with your feet apart, and 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock, quarter to three, tour your pay, twist, over, pot of do, I'm a little teapot, and the wind up! Huh? And let her fly! The perfect cast. The perfect cast? Listen, I want to tell you something today. The perfect cast isn't the one that ends up with the biggest fish. The perfect cast is the one that ends with your peace, okay? I'm going to say that again. It's not the one that ends with the fish. It's the one that ends with your peace. Psalm 55:22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. I don't know about you, but I'm over here like goofy. Every single day, 10 o'clock, God, here's my fear. 2 o'clock, God, here's my problem. Quarter to 3, God, my kids need healing. God, I need you to provide for my family. God, I need my rent, my mortgage paid. God, my kids need clothes. God, my marriage needs healing. We need to learn to cast our cares on him. Now, I can only pray that like Goofy, that we can hand down this tradition of casting our cares on God to our kids, right? It's a family secret, Goofy says. It's been handed down from generation to generation. And my question is, who taught you how to pray? Was it your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa? Well, even if no one taught you how to pray, in the Bible, Jesus models how to pray. Luke 11, one through four says, one day, he, meaning Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he was finished, one of the disciples said, Master, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So he said, when you pray, say, Father, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven when you, uh, with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. And then after this, Jesus elaborates with a story. He liked to tell stories. And he said, imagine what would happen if you went to a friend in the middle of the night and said, hey, friend, let me three loaves of bread. And I'm just gonna paraphrase this story and it says that the friend that's inside the house said, don't bother me right now, it's the middle of the night, I'm not waking up, my kids are sleeping already and I'm not getting up to give you any bread. 
And then Jesus said, but the other friend that's outside is standing out there knocking, knocking, knocking. And he said, I'm, I can't leave. He's not waking the neighbors. I can't leave. I need this bread. And then finally, the owner of the home gets up and gives him the bread. And Jesus said, at the end of that story, he said, here's what I'm saying. Ask and you'll get it. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will open to you. Now, I just want to say, nobody come to my house at 3 in the morning because I really am not going to open the door. Okay? But in all seriousness, what Jesus is saying is, be the friend outside the door. Knock. Knock. Knock until it's open. Pray until you hear. Someone said it like this once. P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens. So what concerns, what problems, what needs do you have that you need to cast on God in exchange for his peace? Think about it. All those things that we kind of mentioned at the beginning of this, we said fear of the coronavirus, fear of sickness, fear of death, not being able to provide for your family, homeschooling, e-learning, politics, remember? Well, when you cast your fears on God, when you cast your cares on God, we reel in his peace. Now, I can't make any guarantees that your life is going to be easy. But I can guarantee that if you read God's word, if you change your outlook and your perspective, you try to be excellent in everything you do and you pray, the situations will be God-ordained and those situations God will use for your good as a follower of him. And that in those situations, you will have peace, even in the most difficult situations. So this year, I want to challenge everybody to get back to the biblical basics. Get back to seeking God above everything and doing your best to live righteously. And that, first and foremost, begins with giving your heart to him. If you haven't given your life to Jesus already, it would be my honor to lead you in a prayer to do that right now. And if you have done that and you want to recommit your life to him, we can do that right now too. So repeat after me, bow your heads. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to reboot my personal commitment to you. I wanna know you more, God. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my life. I want you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.